but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. From the letter of St. Paul to the Philippians, in the name of the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. The Bible is full of appeals to remember. Remember the Lord your God. Do not forget the Lord and all his benefits. Remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God brought you out by a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Again and again, God calls his people to remember And again and again, they forget. They forget God, they forget the covenants, and they forget the law. And God sends the prophets to help Israel remember. But Israel is oblivious. Like the tenants in Jesus' parable, God's people reject the master's emissaries and eventually kill the beloved son, She has forgotten her vocation to tend the garden rather than own it, to bear good fruit for life, for the life of the world. You and I are also, like Israel, woefully short on memory. We live in a culture in which forgetfulness is deeply ingrained. We disdain memory. We loathe history. Most of us, not Andrew. We let our machines think for us. We let our machines be our memory so that we don't have to. And as a result, we can't pay attention more than 280 characters of a Twitter post, or we can't get around our cities without a GPS. We are a people short on memory. And yet, while we forget, God remembers God's memory is often spoken of as equivalent to God's salvation. When the Bible says that God remembers something, uh, it doesn't mean he momentarily forgot it. It means God is acting to save. When Israel is groaning in slavery, we read that God heard their groaning and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It wasn't like God said, oh yeah, I forgot forgot about the covenant for a second. I got it now. Don't worry, I'll be right there. No, this is biblical language for God's salvation. So, given all that we read about remembering, it's rather shocking to hear Scripture say to forget something. Remember not the former things, Isaiah says, nor consider the things of old. Or as Paul says, one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the mark of Jesus' upward calling. So what is it that we need to forget? There's plenty that we need to remember, but there's some things that we need to forget. First, I think we could say we're called to forget the habits of sin. 
We see this in Isaiah 43. Isaiah's call to forget is about forgetting the former life of Egypt. To forget Egypt, Israel's called to remember the Lord who brought them out of slavery and through the Red Sea, the seas that drowned the mighty armies of Pharaoh. The waters of salvation are also the forgetting of a past life. Why do they need a reminder to forget this? Well, because almost as soon as they go out into the desert, they immediately want to go back. They remember the not-so-bad life that they had in Egypt. They had houses and food. They had fish and garlic. They had onions. Sure, they had to do back-breaking labor every day and couldn't worship the Lord in freedom, but hey, we have onions. (laughs) Well, forget the onions, God says. I'm doing something new, something strange, yes, but something new and something free. Forget Egypt, forget the onions. I'm bringing you out into the desert to recreate a people for my glory. The wild beasts and the jackals and the ostriches, I love that the ostriches are there, the ostriches are gathering around in the desert to drink from the flowing streams because something new is springing forth. Flowing waters, rivers of life, a new Eden. So what does it mean for us to forget Egypt? It means we learn to forget the habits of sin we learned while wandering far from Christ. We forget the vicious slave masters who weighed us down with evil thoughts and words and deeds. There's this wonderful passage at the end of Dante's Purgatory, where after the long and difficult climb up the sanctifying mountain, he passes through the river Lethe, which is the river of forgetfulness in uh, classical mythology and Dante's Christianized version. These waters don't just wash away sins, they wash away the very memory of sins. And this is because our habits of sin are deeply tied to our memory. We cannot act without having some memory to act upon. Sanctification, healing, is about learning to cleanse the memory of the habits of sin that hold us in bondage. Where does this take place? Well, the cleansing of memory first takes place in the waters of baptism, where the cruel masters of sin are drowned in this Red Sea. But baptism is only the beginning. After Israel's passage through the Red Sea, She learns to drink from the waters flowing from the rock. The rock we later learn, which is Christ. We drink from these cleansing waters in confession and compunction. To forget our sins is not to repress them or ignore them, just pretend like they're not there. The kind of holy forgetfulness we have in mind here is placing our sin before the living God, 
and letting the light of his mercy shine upon them. In confession, we don't push down our sins to hide them. We hold them up and present them before God. This, in turn, often leads to compunction, which, as the Orthodox theologian Olivier Clement writes, is that feeling when joy and gladness mingle with mourning and grief, when a heart of stone finally breaks and experiences tenderness. When we encounter both the depths of our sin and the ever greater power of God's love, our hearts are pierced and softened. Tears of compunction flow through the deserts of our lives and wash the memory of sin. This means all your mistakes, all your failures, that job you didn't get, that program you didn't get into, the way you blew it with your kids, the way your parents blew it with you. In Christ, these sins no longer define you. When we repent and weep for our sins, we confess God's infinitely greater mercy and love. The old Egyptian masters no longer lord it over us. They're washed away in the rivers of forgetfulness. So we forget our sins, but also we forget even our virtues. This is what Paul writes about to the Philippians. In the passage before, just what we read, he's listed off all of the things that he has to boast about. He circumcised on the eighth day the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. He came from the right families, went all to the right schools. He's an active member of the Pharisees, the most devout group in Israel. He was full of zeal and blameless before the law. Paul has played by all the rules of the old system. He should have been first among the first, and yet... Like the wicked tenants in the vineyard, he found himself stoning the prophets and murdering the beloved son. So what does he say about this? What does he say? Everything I have, everything I've done, all my accomplishments and achievements, what are they worth? Rubbish. They're junk. They're trash. The word he literally uses is something like excrement. Paul says that everything he'd accomplished apart from Christ is worth nothing more than a stinking pile of something. Why? Because Christ is at hand. Nothing is worth more than knowing Christ and sharing in his death and resurrection. When you have Christ, everything else can be forgotten. So we not only forget our sins, we forget our virtues as well. In Christ, we discover what Wendell Berry is called the health of self-forgetfulness. We're invited to forget ourselves, to loosen our grip on all that we hold about ourselves so tightly. You know, humility, as it's often said, is not thinking less about yourself, it's just thinking about yourself less to lose our life so we can find it, to forget our life so that we can remember it. This is the health 
of self-forgetfulness. I think this is especially good news for us today when we're often forced to think about ourselves so intensely, taught to obsess about our identities. Social media demands we spend hours curating carefully crafted images of ourselves. Our jobs make us think incessantly about our CVs and our resumes. Today, we desperately need the grace of self-forgetfulness. So God invites us to forget our sins, to forget our virtues. But how do we do this? What what does this look like? Usually when you forget something, you forget something by accident. You don't deliberately forget something. I think the key, as Paul writes, is to strain towards what lies ahead, to press on towards the mark of our upward calling in Jesus Christ. You and I live amid highly fractured memories. Our experience of life in time is often scattered and torn. We're distracted by many things. We're pulled apart. We live in a state of what St. Augustine called a state of distension. Distension is kind of like the opposite of attention or concentration, of focus, of repose, of presence, of the peace that passes understanding. And to move from distension to attention, Augustine pointed precisely to this passage from Philippians, forgetting what lies behind and straining ahead toward the heavenly calling. This isn't so just looking ahead to the future instead of the past. As Paul makes clear, this is a calling, an upward calling. This is a call to look up, to be drawn out of the fragmentation of distinction and to be gathered into the attention of God's memory. St. Augustine puts it like this. I'm scattered in times whose order I do not understand. The storms of incoherent events tear my thoughts to pieces, the inmost entrails of my soul, until the day when, purified and molten by the fire of your love, I flow together to merge into you. Isn't that good? I'm scattered and torn by the storms of my thoughts until the day when, purified by the fire of your love, I flow together into you. In Christ, all our distractions, our distension, is forgotten, is healed by being drawn into the memory of God. Because Christ is that new thing that has sprung up in the desert. The streams of living waters that heal our memories of sin and self-interest. We forget everything except Christ and him crucified. This Sunday, two weeks before Easter, is often called Passion Sunday. If you're wondering about that in your, your bulletin. 
Passion Sunday. And that's because at this point, we begin to direct all our attention to just one thing, the passion of Christ, the death of Good Friday, and the resurrection of Easter Sunday. Distracted and pulled apart by many things, let us remember from this point on the one thing needful. Our collect for this week teaches us to pray. Among the swift and varied changes of this world, may our hearts surely there be fixed where true joys are to be found. So let us forget the former things and reach out to what lies above. May we remember Christ who remembers us. And by the burning fires of his love, may we flow together into Christ. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.